0: Hello, you're watching Middle East Matters on France 24. Here's what's coming up in this week's show. We return to Mosul five years after ISIS was forced out to meet the residents bringing the city back to life. As Joe Biden kicks off his controversial trip to Saudi Arabia and Israel, we discuss how American goals in the Middle East are changing. And a hologram of the iconic singer Um Kulthum delights fans here in Paris. We meet her great-grandniece, who is following in her footsteps. We start the programme then in Mosul, because this week marks five years since the Islamic State group was forced out of the Iraqi city. Much has changed in the past half-decade, of course, but residents say money for rebuilding has been slow to arrive from the central government. And so it is civil society organisations bringing Mosul back to life. To mark the anniversary then, our reporters have been to meet those behind the city's rebirth.
1: After eight years, Nouruddin's family is finally moving back to their home in the old city of Mosul, which was nearly completely destroyed during the war.
2: I have no words to describe my happiness today. It's just an amazing feeling to be back in your own home, in your city, in your house.
1: While much of the historic center remains in ruins, their family's house was rebuilt by UNESCO, which has pledged to do the same for 124 other homes.
3: Without
2: external support, it would have been really difficult for Mosul to rebuild, because most of those who live in the old city are poor. The government was supposed to compensate us, but they're taking a long time to dole out the funds.
1: But these families receiving support are the lucky ones. The vast majority of residents can only rely on themselves. These two Mosul residents managed to reconstruct their house on their own.
4: We redid the entire entrance and the inside. Everything was cracked, the windows were destroyed. Everything had to be repaired, even the stairs.
1: It cost 4,000 euros in total, a hefty sum these Iraqis had to save up for for years. Since the city was liberated, many have been disappointed by the government's slow efforts to regenerate life in the war-torn city. So they took matters into their own hands to bring the once vibrant society back to life. We are like the surgeons of this city,
4: of our city. Mosul needs a lot of citizen-run initiatives because it is the oldest that was destroyed during the war.
1: Five years on, Mosul is still reeling from the devastation of war. But residents are slowly piecing back their lives, bit by bit.
0: During his campaign for the U.S. presidency, Joe Biden described Saudi Arabia as a pariah state in the aftermath of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. But since taking office, his language has been rather different. And this week, Biden is making his first trip to the oil-rich kingdom as president. It comes, of course, as global energy prices are soaring in the wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. To discuss the trip, which also includes Jordan and Israel, I'm joined on the line now by Middle East expert and former CIA officer Douglas London. Uh, Thanks very much for speaking to us on France 24, sir. Um, First of all, why do you think Biden is making this trip to Saudi Arabia now? Is this straightforwardly about railpolitik?
3: I believe it is. I think you have to look at the circumstances in the world now and when the president made his remarks, which is when he was campaigning, and I believe the price of oil was somewhere around $40 a barrel. Uh, Right now it's over 100. This was prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and also in advance of much of what we're seeing on the world stage as far as China's more aggressive posture, both in the Pacific and in the economic realm. So I think it's to the advantage of both parties to look at this more practically for their own interests rather than their personal needs.
0: And U.S. officials have also said that Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, can, to some extent, be seen as a good actor now on the world stage. I mean, they point to examples like the recent ceasefire in Yemen. I wonder, though, is it actually fair to give MBS particular credit for that ceasefire? I mean, after all, Saudi Arabia has led the bombing campaign on Yemen for several years now.
3: I think the United States feels obliged to create a narrative that supports and justifies its actions and somewhat the turnabout of the president since his um, campaign. I would agree with you that Mohammed bin Salman's actions in Yemen are not such a reflection of his greater humanity or a change in his goals or demeanor, but more practical circumstances. Uh, He's not winning that war. It goes on. It's a Great drain on resources, and, if anything, it's only made him weaker both at home and in the region, particularly vis-a-vis Iran, which is his greatest external nemesis.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about Iran then, but perhaps in the context of Biden's trip to Israel as well, because clearly on the agenda there are those normalising deals that have been reached with Arab countries like the United Arab Emirates. Might a Saudi-Israeli normalisation deal be on the card next? Because it does seem there's more communication between the two countries than ever before, and they certainly do share that common enemy in Iran.
3: You can't rule it out. I think somewhat uh, the foot dragging, if you will, of the crown prince is due to his father, King Salman. King Salman was uh, rather the architect of the Saudi position on the two-state formula in which uh, a state would have to be provided for the Palestinians. Um, Despite King Salman's poor health from everything we see, and we don't know how much he's actually even involved in any ruling or day-to-day affairs, I think there's a sense of that legacy that the crown prince has to tread a little bit carefully. So I think what we're seeing is practical engagement between Saudi Arabia and Israel. There's the overflights. There's certainly evidence of defense and intelligence cooperation. There's always been to some extent, but it's becoming more on a public footing. I don't know that the crown prince will be prepared to go forward Uh, while his father lives, as far as recognising and normalising relations with Israel, short of what his father demanded when he drew up the the Saudi plan at the turn of the uh, millennium.
0: Douglas London, Middle East expert and the author of The Recruiter. Thank you very much indeed. Now in other news, Mecca has finally reopened to international pilgrims this month after a two-month hiatus because of Covid. And nearly one million people took advantage of the new rules and flocked to the Holy City for this year's Hajj. But there have been significant logistical problems as Selina Sykes now reports.
4: It's a year almost like any other, but not quite. International visitors were back in the Holy City of Mecca for the first time since the pandemic. An opportunity which Muslims across the world were keen to take up once again after a two-year pause.
3: I'm, uh, I'm feeling very happy. I perform. It's a, it's a blessing for my family and me to come here for a second time.
4: Though there have been some changes. Saudi officials limited the number of participants to one million. Half of the two million that took part every year on average up to 2019. All of them were required to submit proof of vaccination, and pilgrims from abroad had to provide negative PCR tests. For many, the biggest obstacle was booking the trip itself. Muslims from Western countries voiced frustration over problems using a new online portal aimed to centralise all requests, with many receiving repeated error messages, and some even unable to board their flights. Those who did make it, meanwhile, were met with sweltering temperatures, reaching up to 44 degrees. We're covering our heads because of the sun and the heat. It's really hot. But praise God it's good heat because it's from Mecca. Hajj is one of the largest annual religious gatherings in the world. Its organization is a big source of pride for Saudi Arabia, as well as income, generating 12 billion dollars a year for the economy before the pandemic.
0: Finally, she is a true icon of the Middle East, even dubbed Egypt's fourth pyramid. She had a voice like no other and is arguably the greatest Arab singer of all time. I'm talking, of course, about Umm Kulthum. She died nearly 50 years ago, but has been brought back to life as a hologram most recently here in Paris. Our reporters Mohamed Chaban and Alison Sargent went to witness the magic.
5: She appears in a shimmering stream of light, true to her nickname, the Star of the East. Nearly 50 years after her death, Egyptian icon, Umm Kulthum performs on stage in Paris, thanks to the magic of hologram technology. An almost living legend for younger generations to encounter.
1: This concert was great. I was living a dream.
2: My heart was soaring. I felt like I traveled back in time. I was really living it. I'm grateful
1: for this concert because it allowed me to live through what the previous generations got to experience.
5: Kulthum rose to fame during the mid-20th century, her deep and powerful voice shaping music in the Arab world and beyond. Her hologram reincarnation took three years of work, created with technology reconstructing the diva's face, and with the body of Egyptian actress Sabrine.
3: WHEN
4: WE HEARD ABOUT THE HOLOGRAM TECHNOLOGY, WHICH WILL ALLOW US TO BRING BACK ARTISTS,
3: OUR FIRST CHOICE WAS UM KULTUM.
5: FURTHER LINKING PAST AND PRESENT, THE CONCERT IN PARIS ALSO FEATURED THE SINGER'S great grand 19-YEAR-OLD Sana NABIL. Many compare the rising star to her iconic relative, and she's happy to continue the legacy.
4: It's an honor to sing in the country where she visited and performed. And this gives me a permanent sense of responsibility. And it's a source of joy to feel that I'm a part of her.
5: Before appearing in Paris, Um Kulthum's hologram also performed in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, and at the Cairo Opera. The late diva had never left the hearts of fans. Now, thanks to her hologram, she'll never truly leave the stage.
0: That's it for Middle East Matters this week. Thanks for watching, and do stay tuned to France 24.
2: Ukrainian soldiers wage a daily struggle in Donbas to hold on to every single meter of their territory. With constant shells raining down on the trenches, they do their best to push back Russian troops.
4: What it was like, I don't know. I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything in my life. But then it happened to me. Well, it's probably, I don't know, it's a very strong
2: Artillerymen, snipers, and infantrymen are all fighting for one common goal. Ukraine's independence once and for
4: all. Don't
2: miss Ukraine, the battle for the Donbass. On reporters, on France24 and France24.com. They observe. They contact us. They report, film, Photograph. They are the voice of the voiceless. Your eyes in the far flung reaches of the world. The Observers, a network of 5,000 committed citizens working with France 24.
3: One of our observers in Cote d'Ivoire, Gaspar. Amateur
2: footage and testimonials checked by our journalists and broadcast weekly on The Observers on France 24 and observers.france24.com.